So I want to share with you two great testimonials that we see in Scripture. Um, but before I do, I want to make sure that we all know what a testimonial is. Um, and so a testimonial is defined by New Oxford as this, a formal statement testifying to someone's character and qualifications, a formal statement that, that lays out there someone's character and qualifications. So we're going to look at two of them to start this message. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he just asked them, he says, who do people say I am? And they answered, they, they provided some answers. They're like, okay, okay, fair enough. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? This takes us to the first great testimonial. In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. We see in the next verse that Jesus immediately acknowledged Peter. He praised Peter and encouraged him for making this unprecedented declaration. It had never been pronounced before. This was the pronouncement that Jesus Christ was the son of the living God the Christ, the Messiah. This testimonial expressed both the perfect character and qualifications of Jesus. Jesus was both obedient, sinless, son of man. That's a term that Jesus used to describe himself, son of man. He wanted it to be known when he walked on this earth, he's like, I relinquished my godhood. I'm son of man. I was born of man. I am fully human. When he walked that sinless life, so he called himself son of man. He's like, I, I, when I left heaven and, and came to earth, I, I relinquished those rights of godhood. So fully son of man. And then now this proclamation, son of the living God. Aren't you thrilled that we serve a living God? So this merging, it, it declared the character of Jesus and the qualifications of Jesus. He lived a perfect sinless life and was fully qualified because he was chosen and anointed of God. He was the Messiah. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. This is by far the greatest testification that we see in God's word. And no, it's not a word. It's not a word yet. Yet. I found out 53 words were recently added to New Oxford's dictionary. Some of them way inferior to testification. So recently, bling, chillax, guyliner, screenager, and whatevs was... They were all added to the New Oxford English Dictionary. So you know what? Testification's got a shot. So check out this next testification. Paul and Barnabas had just been used by God. They healed a crippled man. They were in Lystra. And when the crowd had seen what they had done, they were absolutely astounded. And here's what they started declaring. They started declaring, these men are gods in human form. They thought 
that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus. Paul, who, who did most of the talking, most of the preaching, most of the sharing, they thought he uh, was Hermes, who was the messenger of Mount Olympus. He was the Greek god um, who was the, the messenger and the herald. And so they thought he was Hermes, that Paul was Hermes. Paul responds with this testimonial of he and Barnabas in Acts 14, verse 15. Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. As a man called to be an elder, a pastor, we use those two words interchangeably, elder and pastor. As a man who's called to be an elder, I have to be just as quick with this second testimonial as I am with this first testimonial. I am a man. I'm not a superman. I'm just a man. It's easy for pastors to talk about scriptural subjects while ignoring or minimizing their own human flaws, their own weakness, their own humanity, if you will. Too many pastors try and pretend like they're superhuman or they're super Christians. There's no, there's no red S on any of our chests. Too many times saints in the church want to put that red S upon the chest of pastors. Too many times people in the church want to, they, they, they want heroes and they want models and that's good and that's actually really, that's actually godly. But not to put people up on a pedestal that puts an ungodly expectation or that puts ungodly praise or do them. This is actually why I, I go by Mark. Not Pastor Mark, Mark. Andy goes by Andy. Not Pastor Andy, Andy. Because, I mean, nowhere else do we go, hey, uh, uh, Accountant Debbie, um, I was talking with Teacher Jenny, and, uh, and I, then I came to security expert Chris, and, and we decided upon something. So if... Too many pastors, they allow themselves to be placed on a pedestal. They allow themselves to be placed on this position because it feels good, right? It, 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 like, it feels good. Acknowledgement feels good. Praise feels good. Attention feels good, feels good. Recognition feels good. All those things feel good. And all of those things are good. But none of those are reasons to put any person on a pedestal when we want God to receive all of the due glory. The testimonial that Paul delivered of he and Barnabas, it didn't speak of his qualifications in any way. 
He didn't say, ah, Greeks, I can see how you'd be confused. I am one heck of an orator. And the comparison to Hermes is fair. I would have put Zeus on me because I'm a little bit more buff than Barnabas, but Barnabas has a beard worthy of Mount Olympus. I see how you make that correlation. Fair enough. But alas, we're, we're just men. We're just awesome, talented. I mean, we did heal that cripple. You saw that. Uh, and clearly I'm a great preacher. But we're just men. Just men. Don't praise us much. That's not what he did at all. He said, we're men. We're just men. We are just men. Men who have turned from this nonsense. Men who have turned to Jesus. You want to know how that man got healed, that cripple got healed? Because of Jesus. I'm just a mouthpiece. We're just men. You know what took place soon after this adoration? Paul was stoned. It was an open door for, for some of the religious people at that time to slip in and then all of a sudden they stoned him where they thought he was dead, dragged him outside, they thought he was dead. He gets up, goes back in and starts preaching again. Qualifications. I'll get to that in a second. Character. Absolutely. We have to let go of the worthless things. We don't have room for both. If God's got something good for us and, and our hands are full of the worthless things and our heart is full of the worthless things and our brain is full of worthless thinking, we don't have room to receive anything that God has for us. We have to grab a hold of Christ and in doing so, Godly character is made obvious through the work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we start to act like Him. And we start to look like Him. And we start to sound like Him. And we start to smell like Him. And and we find that we're around Him all the time. Even when we don't realize we're around Him and we're, we're sharing Him character, not of our own effort. It's, it's the rubbing off of us being with Jesus. I was stinky the other night. I was stinky. I'd been sweating. So I went and I showered and I was a little paranoid. So I took the cologne. Those are my spots. Two here, one here. And then came to bed. Uh, and Cadence walks in and she goes, mmm, it smells good in here. It smells like daddy's cologne. And I was like, I smell nice. I don't stink anymore. Friends, you don't have to worry about it. If we're spending time with Jesus, we're going we're gonna to carry his aroma. If we're in the presence of, of the Lord, we're going to carry the aroma of the presence of God. You guys, being a godly leader is a risky thing. Because being a godly leader requires vulnerability. Authentic leadership, which is the name of this message, authentic leadership admits weaknesses and limitations. 
Vulnerability is not easy. In fact, it's very challenging. There might be some of you who don't want your pastors to be vulnerable. Heck, you might not want them to be flawed or weak. You might like that idea of the pedestal, but it's just not godly. Heck, my wife might be one of those people at times when I'm preaching and, and I, I say, hey, I just want to share something personal. She, she gives me this look, like the raised eyebrow look like, how personal are you going to get? And then she starts praying, Lord, don't let them cuss. And if he's going to cuss, don't let him say the bad ones. Lord, don't let him talk about politics. Lord, don't... Oh, what's he going to say? How raw is he going to be? How vulnerable is he going to be? How honest is he going to be? And the, there's obviously wisdom in, in what we share when we share who we share it with. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a state of the heart that is humble and that is not afraid. That doesn't live in fear. The trust God and the trust that he surrounds us with, with family. He brings the orphan into family and that we are knit together as his body who need one another. You guys, we're, we're not above the, the crass realities of life and emotion and the Bible says be angry and sin not. Recently somebody... You know, I got irritated on a Facebook post because somebody was saying, somebody on TV had said that Jesus sinned when he got angry. He said, even Jesus wasn't perfect. And I went on my Facebook page and I'm like, yeah, he was perfect. Yeah, that person's a moron. Jesus was perfect. And then a buddy of mine gets online and is like, no, he wasn't. He was angry and blah, blah. What, what did he do in the temple? I'm like, he got angry. God gave us the full scope of emotions. He gave us the full arsenal of emotions. And he didn't equip us with sin. He didn't equip us with a sinful emotion. What he said is, be angry, but don't sin in the midst of your anger. Be sad, but don't sin while you're sad. Be happy and excited, but don't take it too far and sin while you're happy and excited. Be, be angry and sin not. Be sad and sin not. Be happy and sin not. If we give in to the image, the image of what we should be as a Christian, the image of what we should be as a leader, the, the, the image of what we think it looks like being a Christian teenager in a public school, if we give in to the image, then we deny a key truth of our life. And we keep ourselves from having a full impact on others. The world doesn't want to see another Christian Ken doll up here expressing happy anecdotes. The world needs to see that we are real and, and we're authentic. And you can't be authentic without being vulnerable. So why is it worth the effort to be open? Because it's all bit us in the butt before. Why is it worth the effort to be honest about our humanity and our weakness? So today I just want to give us a few reasons. Young people, young people in this place, young people out there, I want y'all to listen. I want y'all to hear this. Being open and honest about our humanity, number one, is healthy. 
it's healthy. Wearing a mask or a facade is unhealthy. I'm going to be talking a lot about masks today. It's interesting timing. I didn't plan the mask with the governor's edict that everyone has to wear a mask in in public now. It is what it is. The timing is interesting. Wearing a mask or a facade is unhealthy. So check this out. A A study published in 2013 from Knox College. I assume Knox College is in Tennessee. I don't know that for sure. It could be in London. I don't know. But Knox College... Um, it it was a filmmaker's study. And I found this really interesting. So this wasn't about health. This wasn't about coronavirus. This is 2013. Okay, this is about filmmaking. And this study that was published discussed the use of masks in movie making and the tension and the discomfort that it brought and created for the viewer of movies. So I'm going to read this to you. Creepiness... So that's all the difference between fear and creepiness, okay? Creepiness is anxiety aroused by the ambiguity of whether there is something to fear or not and or by the ambiguity of the precise nature of the threat. I find that very interesting during this COVID day and age. Masks are disturbing for this reason. When someone is wearing a mask, you are unable to discern if that person is a threat to you. Their intentions are ambiguous and unknowable. I find that interesting. You know, if, if, if I'm... Th- think about Home Alone, okay? The character wasn't wearing a mask. But think about the, the older man who lived next door who rumor had it that he was... This villain, all because he, he didn't show emotion, right? All because he was stoic. And all of a sudden, you know, in, in that movie, we find out that, that wives' tales and folklore was, was stirred up about this neighbor and what he had done. And all because he, there was just this am, ambiguous presentation about him. And he, and he was wearing a mask. We later find out he was wearing a mask of hurt and abandonment and you know, a lack of forgiveness and grace, you know, for, you know, his family, you know, you'll have to watch Home Alone uh, Christmas season again and think of this. But when we wear that facade, when we wear that mask, when we refuse to be authentic and genuine, it, it makes people uncomfortable. It makes people uncertain. Uncertain of your motives, of un- uncertain if you're a threat, uncertain if you can be a friend, uncertain if I can let my guard down around this person. And wearing a re- mask requires us to extend a ridiculous amount of energy. It produces stress, tension, and even depression. Pastors who worry about that mask, about maintaining an image, They're just asking for burnout. On the other hand, being vulnerable is liberating. It is. Being honest is liberating. Being authentic is liberating. It's truly the only authentic way to live. We see this in the book of James, James 5.16. James says, confess your sins 
to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other. Revealing our feelings can be the beginning of healing. As a matter of fact, we we spent weeks talking about this very subject in our series, Soul Care and Freedom. Reveal your feelings. Reveal your thoughts. Grab that, that luggage, bring it into the light, open it up, and trust the Lord with it. Empty everything in it and let the Lord fill us up. Some of the weaknesses in our lives won't go anywhere until we confess them. So confess your sins. Confess your flaws. Confess your weaknesses. And do it with, with other believers who, are, who you're close with, who are trustworthy, who you're growing with. Whether there's a foundation of, of, of relationship. And do this with other believers who will pray with you. Confess your sins one to another. And then pray. Pray together. Because the consistent faithful prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Don't just confess it to people that are just going to nod or furrow their brow or just shame or judge or just pacify and go, oh, okay. But someone that will sit there and listen and maybe all of those facial expressions are appropriate and then they're followed by, okay, let me pray for you. Thank you for sharing that. I admire you. Thank you for being honest with me. Let me pray for you. Number two, the second reason why it's worth the effort to be open and honest about our weakness is that being open and honest about our humanity is empowering. Again, James writes in James 4, 6, and God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. He standoffish to the proud. But he embraces and gives grace to the humble. So what is humility? Humility is not denying your strengths. That's not what humility is. It's about being honest about your weaknesses. When we're honest about our weaknesses, guess what? Then we can be honest about our strengths too. We don't got to worry about it. It's always an interesting thing to me. I, I, when I've preached, let, let's just call it a good message. You know, I don't think every message is good. <laughs> I think there are some good messages. But let's say I've preached a good message and it's always, it, it was always a curious thing. I mean, I've, I've been preaching now since... Uh, 1996 and people come up sometimes and they say that was a great message that was such a wonderful message and at first I would do this oh well it was just the Lord it was just God because I thought that was humility and what I found out is number one it was rude (laughs) just say thank you moron just thank you Thank you, thank you. And 
And, and then I found it funny. I heard another preacher talking about this because he used to do that. He used to say, you know, someone go, oh, great message, pastor. That was so wonderful. And he's like, oh, no, no, that was just, that was all the Lord. That wasn't me. And the Lord spoke to him and said, no, if it was all me, it would have been a much better message. So pride is usually what causes us to build a facade around our weakness. Remember this powerful truth. God resists the proud. He resists pride. That should honestly kind of scare the tar out of us. But he generously gives grace to the humble. God truly delights in blessing us when we understand and admit how weak we really are. On a relational level, let me just make it clear. Vulnerability, it strengthens relationships. It doesn't tend to tear them down. It tends to strengthen them because you're declaring trust. When we're authentic, people draw closer to us. When we share personal pain with people who will point us to the healer, We often discover new levels of friendship and partnership and relationship with them. I want you to know that one of the people that I can just be absolutely transparent with and absolutely honest and vulnerable with is Tyron Daniel, who leads New Covenant Ministries International, has thousands of people under his direct leadership Thousands of churches and ministries all over the world under his direct leadership. And he's one of the guys who knows everything. And he's one of the guys that, that I, I can share everything with. I'm talking about even like the impetuous ugly, right? Like, like, you know what I mean by the impetuous ugly? The time that you haven't shown enough maturity to process out of you before you come to somebody. You're just impetuous and you're in a bad mood or whatever. And so you just throw up a little on them. Andy gets that, like even that. And there's times I'm like, oh man, I should have processed that with Jesus before, before dumping that on Andy. Sorry, Andy, love you. Our vulnerability encourages other people to throw away their masks. And masks suck. You know they do. I mean, if you're wearing them right now, you wish you weren't. Luchador masks are awesome. Luchador masks are fantastic. I really, I, I might show up at church with a luchador mask. I mean, I got the bald head. It would go on real well. I wouldn't mess up hair or anything. I just don't know if it's like COVID sanctioned or not. You guys, when we embrace vulnerability and we embrace authenticity as precious values of leadership, then others will realize that it's safe for them to come out of hiding. Others will realize it's safe for them to be raw and vulnerable and authentic. And they'll stop pretending that they're perfect as well. Number three, being open and honest with our weakness is exemplary. It's exemplary. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul writes this, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I love the way it describes this. I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern mine after Christ. I want you to pattern your life after me, just as I pattern my life after Christ. 
follow me as I follow Christ. I've heard people say, that Paul was one arrogant dude. He could preach, but he sure was arrogant. Follow him. Who's he to say, follow him? It's not arrogance. It's authenticity. He knows his heart. I'm following Christ. I wish you would follow Christ. But I know I'm following Christ. So follow me because A plus B equals C. And in following me, guess who you will be following? Christ. I know my heart. I know, I know that I'm, wherever Jesus is going, that's where I'm going. Wherever Jesus is going, that's where I'm going because I'm following him. So follow me. Follow me. I'll lead the charge. I'll be the vanguard. I'll be the point. I'll be the, 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 the tip of the spear. Follow me. I'm following Christ. Paul knows that we all learn valuable things from good models. We all learn valuable things from godly men and women. So, Don, I don't even know if you remember this. We, we've gone to church with Don Elaine since 1998. And that's when I first met Don Elaine. And there was one time when there was a call to ministry during the service. And Pastor Al, who's on our board of advisors, Al Keach, said, um, I believe the Lord is setting sons with fathers this day. And so... I want you to take a second and if you believe that you're supposed to, fathers, if you believe that there's someone you're supposed to be a spiritual father to, I want you to go grab that, that person and say, hey, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be a, a father to you. And Don came up to me that Sunday in Arvada at 66th and Wadsworth. He came up to me and said, when Pastor Al said that, the Lord put on my heart that I'm to be a spiritual father to you. Do you remember that? I do. Ever since then, what this man has to say carries weight with me. He's a spiritual father to me. What's interesting is he's on my team as the lead pastor. I have a team, an awesome team. He's on that team. But he has a special place because that day he responded to the prompting of the Lord, made himself vulnerable. And I responded with yes. Yes, Lord. I just want you to know that. I remember it like it was yesterday. Every leader has weaknesses. Every leader has flaws. Every leader has weaknesses. Every person has weaknesses. Every leader, every person has flaws. It is how we handle them that will determine whether they help us or hinder us. Young people, you don't got to be perfect. You ain't perfect. You're, you're the furthest from perfect you're ever going to be right now. You're still growing. You're still making a, a ton of mistakes. And that's actually a really good thing because we really don't learn very little from our successes. We learn the most from our failures. We learn the most from our mistakes. And so you're making a ton of mistakes right now and your parents are there to correct you, to provide guidance, to sharpen you, to love on you and nurture you and to teach you and to point these things out, not to be a nag, but to grow you. To grow you. Keep making mistakes. Keep on making them. Just stop making the same ones. 
Make new mistakes. That, that's our goal. But know that you're not perfect. So what are you going to do with your flaws? Are you going to let them help you or hinder you? If we understand our weakness and we consistently submit them to God and we accept any natural limitations, then those things can be useful to you. But if you ignore them, or worse, try to hide them, they become embarrassments and even liabilities. Last one, numero cuatro. Luchador! Being open and honest about our weakness is impactful. It's impactful. It increases the impact of your ministry and you do have a ministry whether you realize it or not. Maybe you didn't realize it, Talia, that you had a ministry. But your persistence in inviting friends to church paid off last week as one of your friends gave her life to Christ. Did you know you had a ministry? Being vulnerable, putting yourself out there for possible rejection because when we ask someone if they want to come and they don't come, it's a form of rejection. Putting out yourself out there week after week after week after week, inviting your friends to church, it's, it's tough, but it's impactful. It's impactful. Being open and honest and being vulnerable and transparent, it impacts our ministry in the coolest ways. It impacts our testimony. It builds the testimonial about who we are. It builds character. Because we're authentic. We're true. We're honest. When sharing your story with someone, when sharing your life with someone, when sharing your testimony with someone, you might ask yourself, what's the most powerful way I can, I can tell my story? What's the most impacting way I can tell my story? But with certainty, I tell you this, that's the wrong question. This is the question you should be asking yourself. What's the most personal way I can share my story. Because I promise you this, the most personal way that you are sharing your story or you are sharing your testimony is going to be the most powerful way. I'm much more effective as a witness than I am as a talker. I'm much more effective as a witness than I am as an orator. You're much more effective as a witness than as a relayer of information. When we're talking about Jesus, we're not just called to relay information contained in the Bible. That is not what we're called to do. Actually, that lacks power. If it's not personal... If it's not personal, then it's not going to be powerful. If you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior and, and you're not sharing as a witness, then there is no power behind it. When I talk about Jesus, 
I speak as a witness. I talk about my Jesus. And I talk about my times with Jesus. And I talk about the times he's been there for me. And I talk about the times that, that my faith was weak and he still came through again and again and again. I talk about my Jesus because I'm more effective as a witness than I am as a talker. When you and I speak out of the overflow of our experiences, then we speak with more conviction and conviction moves people. Authenticity moves people. It's powerful and it creates fellowship when we share with vulnerability and we speak from the heart. So here's my encouragement. Share your struggles honestly, but with wisdom. Describe the ways that you're making progress. Share that you're still growing. Share that you're still teachable. Share that you're just not some plump know-it-all who's so plump from our own knowledge or our own whatever that we're not teachable. Share that we're constantly learning and then tell people what you're learning. Be excited about learning. Rick Warren says this. It's a fantastic quote. Rather than posturing ourselves as self-confident and invincible, we need to see ourselves as trophies of God's grace. I have discovered that the more open I am about my weakness, the more God blesses my life. Mm 